And I am Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> and you're listening to episode 139 of Cinefunk. <laughs> it's not good when I make myself laugh. It's just so funny, though, because it always reminds me of that no effects record where uh, the, where they have like that he was even more punk than me line. And like they had a heaven's smoke droid. He was even punk than me, like that thing. And then if you listen to it on the tape, it's different than the CD. And I, I don't remember where I was when I discovered that that was the different thing, but... Also, let's be honest, me being a NoFX fan was a very, very long time ago at the advent of my involvement with the punk rock. So so please don't hate. And um, but yeah, no, that's what no, I, think. I get I mean, it. You, 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 voices. you love linoleum, you know, I it's, do. It supports your lie. head. It gives you something it's a to dope believe. track. It slaps. Defy, defy. I defy you to listen to that song and not have a feeling. That's all I'm saying. I mean. The feeling is not necessarily a good thing, but sure. <laughs> That's my point. It could be either. So, episode one thirty nine. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is going to be doing? this is going to be our episode long whacking on track. Uh, a chance just to you know we're going to catch up, talk about some things we've done recently. I actually, uh, I uh, I got a couple gotcha questions for Josh here. That'll be good. Oh man. They're not gotcha. They're just a surprise. There's nothing. Come and get me. Come and get me. I yeah. wish. I kind of wish I did have something where I could be like, what about this, Josh? Because that'd be kind of. I know. Fun, and then hold my feet to the fire for some shit. To you the know fucking saying? flames. Or, I say it. Like, that, that, that went from like a uh, uh, press thing to like a hate breed song. And yeah. I'll hold your feet to the flames. <laughs> really quick. Really quick. As things do. As things do. You know what I'm saying? So it's all good, though. But, Liam, before we traverse the grand expanses of things that are both whack and or on track, who do we have to thank? Well, I think first and foremost, we obviously have to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, I'm hearing from people that they've gotten the coffee. I sent out coffee to everyone. If you did not get coffee and you would like coffee, you got to put your address on your Patreon account and let me know. And then I will use that address to send you. I still have a little bit of coffee left. So I don't know if everybody who wants it could get it, but definitely some people could get it. Um, uh, and then also, you know, we've been promising for a while some content. I've actually been working on some ideas with people, but the hope is that we'll be able to start having like regular content on the Patreon by fall. So, Hopefully that's real. Hopefully that's a real thing. But thank you all for being patient with us regardless. And I hope you, and if you got coffee, enjoy your coffee. We also have, uh, by the way, all those new shirt designs. Um, if you would also like a shirt design, just let me know, man. I'd love to send you a shirt or lady or, or non-binary, whatever whatever it is you identify as is fine. But uh, we have a variety of sizes. Um, I will say uh, we are a little limited if you're in the 
three to four X department. Uh, I didn't get as many printed, but if that's your vibe and that's what you need, that's totally fine. Just let me know and I can get those printed uh, for, it'll be a while before I have them, but uh, I can get those printed right now. Yeah, we're up to two. At your boys. Yeah, at your boys. We're up to two X for most of the design. So if there's a design, one of our newer ones that you like, I can get that to you. If you're looking for one of the older designs, the sizes are a little uh, random, but in, in those cases we tend to have both smaller and larger sizes so you know just get at us uh but we just want to say without your support we wouldn't exist and we really appreciate that we also love seeing pictures of you wearing the cinepunks johns yeah or throughout the town on your adventures or if you got the coffee take a picture of the bag you know hit us up on the gram let us know you're drinking it and let essex coffee roasters our proud sponsors yep know how much you appreciate they're non-bourgeois yet good quality coffee. <laughs> Y'all, the, the coffee's good. If you got the coffee, you know it's good. It's strong. You know it's uh, we yeah. went for we went for a stronger thing, but they have a variety of beans. If you're if you're hitting that uh Cinepunks blend and you're like, this is good, but I'd like something a little more subtle, guess what? They've got a variety of beans. I just ordered variety. some yeah. Ethiopian a few weeks ago that was unbelievable. They've got that uh 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 Colombian up there right now that I think is really good, mm. as well as a Plus Haitian. Plus, they got all the teas really and stuff. They got the teas oh, yeah. that are good. Oh shit. yeah! Oh yeah! Hell yeah! And, Big and up cool to merch. Essex. They've cool got another well printed. They've got another specialty blend up right now, uh, Jude's blend. I haven't had tried it yet, but I'm looking to do it. So, anyways, go check out SSCoffeeRoasters.com. Look, you've had the coffee. Those of you who support us on Patreon, a bunch of other people also ordered coffee. You know, hit them up with that. 10% off. You, you, you go as you're checking out, you put in Cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, get that 10% off. You know, why not? What? Why <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to get 10% off? There's no reason. Yeah, I know, right? Just because you don't like money? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And also, we would like to thank our sponsors at the beautiful xlvacx.com the lehigh valley apparel creations headed by none other than business mogul mr christopher reject who i wrote a song for but um yeah 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 yeah. if you have a band if you have a podcast if you have a role-playing club if you have a thing perhaps you have a secret breakfast club maybe you need some shits made if you do and you're in the lehigh valley or beyond check out the lehigh valley's premier screen printers xacx.com and tell Chris we said what's up that's in a punk yeah let them know that you heard about them from us check them out they're going to work with you on whatever your design is they're going to get you the the apparel you need for it to be printed on whether that's sweatpants or a variety of t-shirts they do the guild in they do the next level they do the comfort mm-hmm. colors whatever it is they got you hit them up they're they're awesome uh we we just got the we're starting to get some of our mandy stuff from them for rough cut and nice. uh you know I'm, I'm excited to see the slip mats they, they did record slip mats for us that's pretty record player slip mats so that's pretty cool so uh anyways xlvc xlvacx.com to for you all know. your screen printing needs yeah ah. yeah so uh yo this- comfort colors is pretty dope though i gotta say Yo, I, I didn't so, understand what the kids were all about. And I was like, why are the kids all about this comfort colors? And then I got a shirt in comfort colors and I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, had you comfort. not gotten any of the uh, rough cut stuff we did on comfort colors? No, I got it all on Jilden. So 
Yeah, I'm cool with it. I like it. I still the, rock it on the red. No, but I the support. comfort colors are the best ones. You should have gotten one of those burning shirts. The burning. That oh, was on comfort not. colors. I messed oh, up. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. No, but I will tell you, I've been wearing that Night of the Creep shirt out ragged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I looked dope in it, and it looks dope. So, you know, I get a few compliments on that on the L most of the times that I wear it. Just saying. I mean, I'll straight up say, y'all, that, uh, you know, the only reason we switched back to Gildan from Comfort Colors is just supply chain issues. I, I love Comfort Colors. I know not everybody likes them because they're a little bit bigger. You know, they're definitely mm. better for those of us who are of a larger carriage. Uh, yes. But, you know, I am of larger carriage, so that's what I wanted us to print on. But here's the reality is while they are still good on like your standard colors, your like black, your white, your uh, brown sort of stuff, we were, mm. you know, you know us over at Rough Cut, we're always experimenting with colors. And so yeah. there were regular times where we wanted print on a kind of shirt and then they just didn't fucking have the shirt. And that's not on LVAC. You know, all they're doing is ordering from a factory. They're ordering the shirts from the factory. And, uh, mm. And there's big supply chain issues. Now, that's true for everything. Anyone who's waiting for some of our, you know, we did that Monterey Pop uh, Decline of Western Civilization Whoa. double feature, right? Yeah, we're still we're still dealing with that, John. We, we, we took those pre-orders in March. We still haven't shipped all the shirts because we couldn't get wow. packs. Yeah, no this... Shit. People don't realize, and this is the thing, like we were getting some people who were real pissed about it, like, why can't I get my shirt yet, blah, blah, blah. Yo, they can't get microchips for the PlayStation 5. You know, like that's Sony. You know, we're just some assholes. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like when there's supply chain issues, you can't just yell at someone like, hey, listen to me. I'm, I'm putting in an order of 10 shirts. You better come up with my 10 shirts. No, they don't give a fuck about it. That's just the shirts don't exist. So we got to wait mm. or we got to do a different kind of shirt. That's how it works. So uh, as no, of so take it easy on the rough cuts, y'all. Take that's, it easy. That's true. But, but I bring it up only to say like, once the supply chain comes through, I really do want to switch back to comfort colors. Like if you don't know, like I, and I'll say to people, like you can buy those shirts, like direct, like friend of the show, Bob shed, he knows about shirts. So he used to work at a, at a screen printer. So he's familiar with shirt stuff. He just bought like 20 some blank comfort color shirts for himself. So now he's got, nice. he has, he said 24 of the same shirt, the same, black comfort color shirt right Man. so then he just rotates through like seven of them like he's got enough of them for the week and then he washes them right so if he's got 24 he's got shirts for years because he just wears That's the same black shirt aspirational like i what a great concept it's fucking awesome uh, man i love it I know. So I cool. I too love it, Joshua. I too love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, like don't get me wrong. Like we're on Gildan for now. Uh, the Cinepunk shirts are also on Gildan, uh, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to. I, I would really like in the future to not just do comfort colors for Rough Cut, but for Cinepunks too. It's just you know we're yeah. not we're not making a killing on their shirts. So the we really got the Cinepunk shirts more for friends than we did for making making money. That's not really what's happening over there. It's called, it's pronounced Jilden too. I saw it on a commercial. Is it really pronounced <laughs> like, Jilden? Yeah. Fuck I saw it on that. a commercial. I will and never. It blew my goddamn mind. Yeah. I was like, Jilden? Wait, are they talking about these Gilden jobs? You know, the guy like, who, yeah. would, you know, the guy who invented the GIF, he says it's pronounced Jif. Mm -hmm. And I, I mm -hmm. said, fuck that. I don't care if he invented it or not. <laughs> I'm on some real. Is I'm on some real reception over auteur theory on this one. Fuck you, Mister. I feel Jeff. you, man. Yeah. I feel you. 
So, uh, you know, this episode, guys, we just we we life has been kind of hectic lately and we didn't have we didn't have the energy to like put together a topic. We we both went to see a movie, which we're going to discuss. But I don't know about you, Josh. I feel like that movie's it doesn't carry a whole episode. It's just not that interesting. No, it's not that. Well, yeah, we'll get to we'll get yeah. to the nitty and the gritty. About so it, so we decided to just do a full catch up episode, uh, sort of around the theme of the segment that we do, which is uh oh fuck. We do this thing like we do it every week. It's a thing. We've done it 138 times prior to this one. Yeah, but the name What is, is it called again? It rhymes. It's like uh It does. It does. Uh, it was, gro- it groovy was and booby. It uh, was an old sneakerhead game with me and my brother. Booty is and how, duty. Is that what it is? The, I think that might be it. Howdy and a- ass and class. Is that what it is? Whoa. Ass and class. Is that what that is? Is that what we do? <laughs> no. I don't think that's what we do, Liam. No. You know what it is that we do? We do a thing that we call Whack It, it on, on Track. track. Alright. That was pretty good. That's, That's pretty what good. we do. That yeah. was good. That was good. That's that was good. good. Sharky will get edit it. Sharky will edit it. Yeah. Nice. Come on, Sharky, make us sound cool. <laughs> make us sound like we did that at the same time. Uh, we might have. I don't even know, honestly. I, I, I literally know. I just don't like even yelling. Know. Yeah. I just like screaming, so it's cool. Ain't well, nothing. I think we should start with the thing that we thought, which is that we both saw a movie, and I I suspect we're both going to put it in the same category, but mm. I don't know for sure. And that is we, me and Josh both went to advanced screenings of a movie called The Night House, and I, and I want to point out that this film has a lot of buzz coming off of South by Southwest. A lot of people I knew were excited to see this now that it's getting a wider release and people are going to get a chance to see it. So I was pretty excited about this thing because I've been hearing about it for a little bit. Uh, Josh, what did you think of the night house? Well, here's the thing, right? Like just as far as like movie screeners go, just like everybody else in our little community, right? I'm just happy to go back to the movies. I'm just happy to have the, that moment to go back and like sit in the theater and everyone's masked. And it's like for the press screeners, for the most part, it's like, low capacity because they don't do they right. haven't been doing the gofobo for it so it's just been critics it's been mine like mine was people. a little mine was a little more capacity than i like they did do the gofobo for it but they mm. limited the amount of gofobo so it was still not a pack theater but i will say i went being like oh press screener it's not going to be that full and i was like eh, a few more people here that i'm comfortable with but it wasn't terrible and i and i felt okay i just with with things getting a little bit back on the on the wrong foot right now i'm i'm not trying to go to like a friday night screening of a new movie that's not a thing yeah, i'm gonna no, do for that's a while not, i'm not trying to get in the mix you know what i'm saying but yeah. that's the beauty of like the press con the press screeners because they're i mean i don't know about like how it operates in chicago liam but like for us it's it's a pretty tight-knit community i think now granted my stitch in that tapestry isn't exactly the strongest, nor is it the most uh, social or liked, which I'm cool with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay with it. But that said, just the fact that it's lower capacity definitely makes me feel better to be in the theaters that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, about Nighthouse in particular, I got the invite for it, and I didn't know anything about it. I just was like, oh, a horror movie. Me and Melanie love horror movies. Let's go to this movie. So and plus, I wanted to do it just for for this show. And um, also, like, you know, I started a new show on the Simpsons Network called Showtime with Sharky and Josh, me being the Josh. 
Um, and I was hoping to get this done with Sharky, but we weren't able to connect on this because he had some prior engagements. But uh, we ended up agreeing to see um, Reminiscence tonight, the new Hugh Jackman, John. So we'll be watching that for the next episode of Showtime. But um, that said, yeah, Nighthouse, I was just like, oh, a horror movie. Let's go, because me and Melania love horror movies, and it'll be low capacity. So we'll just hang back and chill. And um, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> Tell me what the story's about. Let, let, let's first hit with a, a brief synopsis. Good, Liam. Oh, yeah. So for, for, for those of you who don't know, this movie, um, it opens up with our main character, uh, just after her husband's funeral. And we don't know this at first, but over the course of the film, it's revealed that her husband killed himself uh, mm. very unexpectedly. And she lives in this house now without him this house that he, that he designed. Yeah, yeah. He, he designed and built this house. And as the movie goes forward, she starts to feel like maybe he's with her in spirit maybe he's haunting her a little bit but also maybe he had a secret life that she didn't know about mm. and there's weird things about the design of the house there's weird things about him having pictures of other ladies and then you know i, On, I don't want to she goes through his phone and stuff and yep, like yep. i guess all the post-mortem stuff that you have to do when a partner passes like you know she was like packing up books and finding all these weird books and stuff. Yeah. And then going through the phone and finding all these pictures of like another woman and all this other stuff. So, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Cause I know some people are still very excited to see this film, but suffice it to say, it's a combination of haunting of not knowing this person very well, or at least not as well as you thought. And then yeah. some sort of occult thing going on. Um, hmm. And While it's, also being like a treatise on guilt and yes, and, yes, you know, it's all sort of works as like a metaphor for depression and suicide, yeah, and whatever, whatever. Uh, I so I will actually say that I thought the the skill of the film was in maintaining tension, and for me, mm. and I get the feeling that this wasn't true for you. I actually think about a good seventy five percent of this movie is one of the better horror movies I've seen in, in like a decade. It is fucking terrifying. I screamed like a little baby girl uh, twice <laughs> in the movie. Uh, I shouldn't okay, gender that. Okay. Like a little baby boy or girl, honestly. Uh, there's, there's a, you there's just a stop it, baby. Yeah, there's a, there's a little, there's a little, there's a scene where uh, she sees something very upsetting, and then uh, what is maybe an apparition, like uh, uh, maybe bumps into her. Uh, and I, that, that scared the crap out of me. There's, there's a few moments like that. And I think it, 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 even though it does have some very effective jump scares, it doesn't rely on those. It actually builds dread more than it does turn to jump scares. And I think a lot of the technique of that is very effective, but I think the film also has a very large mythos. It has a, a cosmology and I don't think it can maintain that cosmology. And that becomes obvious in the climax, which while being also effectively shot and kind of suspenseful begins your questioning of what exactly is going on here. And then when there's the yeah. big reveal towards the end of what is happening and it is all resolved in the ending. And again, I don't mm. want to spoil this, but it's so entirely unsatisfying. It yeah, casts a pall on the rest the of the movie. Yeah, yeah it, it makes the rest of the movie feel stupid. It just feels stupid yeah. for a movie that like, I mean, you know, there's a moment. In, this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. There's a moment where she's in what is maybe a mirror image of her house. 
and or or outside of it, and she's seeing people who look like her, right? Mm-hmm. In the windows. And yeah, stuff. that that was some fucking mind bending shit. That's like yeah. upsetting shit, and it's you, you probably saw it in the trailer and thought, "Ooh, that looks fucked." It is fucked. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly yeah. what you think it is, but it is fucked. It is very tense. Knowing that that's in the same movie as the denouement, you know, like the final scene of this mm-hmm. film, which is one of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. It has a lot. You know what we'll do? This is what we're going to do, y'all, because I feel I like. I don't call it dumb. I mean, it was fine. It's just too on the nose, right? Like I, by the uh, end, when you get through all this tension build and you see like the reveal, you're just like, oh, you know what I mean? I, like it's too I, on the I, nose. It's this too, is this is, we, this is what I think. we. This is what I think we got to do. Okay. Y'all. We're about to spoil this movie, so you need to fast forward by five minutes. We will only spend five minutes spoiling this movie, but I need to spoil need the to movie. Say it. Do it. I gotta Let say it. it. I gotta say it. Let it out. All right. You ready? All right. Start. Skip forward now. Okay. okay. Here's the deal, and this is obviously for the people who are listening. I hope are now people who've seen the movie. It's not just when it's revealed that she's being chased by the nothing, which is in and of itself could be cool, but I just don't know that it gets to cool. It's when all of that climaxes in her just in a boat deciding whether she's going to kill herself or not. Then they save her from the boat and she looks at the boat and there's a shadow and and the neighbor says – there's nothing there. And she says, I know. Someone should go to jail for that line. That yeah. that is a fucking criminal yeah. effect. I don't believe in jail, no, actually. But it's, but that's it's it's terrible, Josh. That moment, that thinking this, is, this yeah. is the stinger with which we're gonna end this movie that has some truly terrifying moments in it. We're gonna end with there's nothing there. I know. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, Fuck you. No. Inappropriate. Fuck you. It made me also, so mad. Okay. I definitely had issue with that. It definitely brought me up just to let me down in, in such a way that I was like, I don't like this bow. Yeah. This wraps this up untidily. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just made me upset. Um, I also don't like the trope of like the wise black neighbor that just kind of knows everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I agree that with shit that. It's just upsetting to me. You know what I mean? And like, I it, get if, it. It know? felt like too, like he was there just so they didn't have all white people. Like there's like he except felt for like goddamn Bagger Vance. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it was it, just except too much. for like one other teacher. Most of the people in this movie are white. So we have this neighbor, this black neighbor, and he's you know he's charming, or whatever. But then when he's like, yeah, I did see your husband. It's like, oh god, really? It's like come on, uh, man. Like really? Like you can't write also like that. Also like the idea that. You see a man, you see your neighbor with another woman in the woods, and then he shows up and he says he has dark urges. And you thought, better keep this to myself. I don't know. Like, that's yeah, uh, like, especially what is that when, about, man, come on, especially when the Get urges turn out to be just as bad as everyone thought they were. Yeah, and it's not just adultery, like, it goes beyond, and it's just like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just think, look, in, in the interest of creating these, I, I think the. On a technical level, this movie is a is almost a masterclass yeah, in it's modern really, really tension. But the yeah. reality is, in doing that, they underplay until the very end one of the most horrifying parts of the movie, which is that her husband has been murdering people. And part of the conceit is that she just didn't fucking know. And I don't yeah. find that compelling. I just don't believe that for all these years, he's been regularly murdering women in order to trick this creature and like 
And beyond she that, just that didn't he's know. building a house. He's building a house that she doesn't right. know about to bury these dead ladies that look like her. Right. And she had no idea, no clue. That's just and, and, and it's not like and they're if this, in like a heavily populated right, area. Right. They're in the woods, y'all. And, and if this like, if on, this man, like, like if this thing that's coming for her is that easily fooled, right? Like that's the idea that he's like tricking it. I mean, A, part of the conceit is like this tricky architecture thing where he's made everything sort of confusing, but like that uh-huh. doesn't play out in the movie, right? The house is normal and the fake house yeah. is just a shitty version of the real house. So like none of that confusion. You don't get the works. concept of like a maze or no, whatever to trap no. a ghost in there. They, like they, walk they use the a lot. And it's, yeah, yeah. They use a lot of that just, imagery and it doesn't play out in the movie at all. And then, and then, uh, and then it's, you know, there's a bunch of dead ladies in the basement of the house. How does that actually, the thing is, is like they, they could have left it more mysterious, right? If they wanted to, I think I, you know, I didn't show that part and just implied further that they're getting killed. Like that would have been, I mean, like all you would have had to do. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into that because I didn't make the movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. I I mean, I I, I do, I do want to say, I do want to say I could be wrong. But my suspicion yeah. is they painted themselves into a corner and then they didn't know how to wrap this thing up. And that's why the ending is so unsatisfying, because yeah. what are they going to do? Have a cosmic battle between her and nothing like I get that in some sense, the nothing is probably just a metaphor for, you know, sadness or depression or just nihilism yeah, that, in general. That whole metaphor falls through when you consider this man's murdering women. Yeah, exactly. He's murdering that women so she doesn't kill herself. Yeah, yeah, it like, doesn't. No, that doesn't work. Yeah, it's uh, it's like that's they st- why I was unsatisfied. I feel like they started with the metaphor, and then, anyways, we're, we've we're we're about to go over our time here, so we'll right, wrap it right, up and right. say, uh, "Welcome back to any of you who skipped ahead." And uh, you know, suffice it to say, uh, you know, if you get a chance to screen this at home for free, like if it's on Shutter, I don't think it's a waste of time to watch it. And I think there's a lot of cool no. things in it. But if you're mm. trying to decide on spending money to go see it in a theater. Stay the fuck home. I don't think it's worth yeah. it. I no, just really don't. I think that some of the actual shooting of it looks really, really beautiful on a big true. screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some true. of the low lighting sequences I thought were very, very effective. And I thought that like a lot of the perspective horror is I definitely think it it captivates more in a bigger viewing experience. But that said, the payoff again is just different than the the timber of the rest of the movie. So if you do want to go in, if you do want to see it on the big screen, if you do want to see like those things, I I fully support it. But that said, just know that the the wallop you're hoping for at the end isn't exactly what you're going to get. <sighs> Without spoiling. I didn't spoil anything. I don't think so. Anyways, uh okay. Josh. Okay. Yes, sir. What else have you done whack or on track recently? I mean, Dude, it's a lot, man. You know, here's the thing, Liam. I talk to you regularly. I talk to you weekly, at least. That being, you are literally the only person that I talk to weekly that isn't Melani or a coworker at a yeah. casino in the middle of the night. So I feel as though it's weird because, like, I still have so much to tell you. I mean, you're still one yeah. of my very best and closest friends in life. So, like, to tell you all the things that are happening, it just, it'll take forever. But that said, it also feels, like, weirdly isolating. Like, I don't have the time to talk to my, like, friends on the phone. You know what I mean? Because, like, they're asleep when I'm awake, and I'm awake when they're asleep. So it's just like, huh. And then, like, all the time that I have to spend at work, 40 hours a week working a night shift, the time that's left, waking hours and such, I have to spend with Milani because I don't get to see her. I don't, you know, 
I don't see her as often as I really would like to, which I guess for most people, being unemployed since October and spending every waking day together with your wife who works at home, like that's probably a nightmare for some people. But for me, that's exactly like bliss. Like that's a definition of like, well, making sure, you know, her coffee's full and, you know, like all the things are like she needs are, are done and all this kind of stuff. Because, you know, I don't know. That's what that's what it means for me. And um, not having that has been like a huge chunk out of my psyche. I feel like I feel like weirdly detached from my life in that regard. But yeah. that said, um, I'm hoping to transition to day shift pretty soon or sooner than later. Anyway, there's a process and I got to go through it. I get that um, on track. I've been learning a lot at the casino. Both good and bad, but a lot of like weird stuff about the gaming industry and just so much about like working in a casino and what goes into it. And uh, I'm not going to lie. It's been pretty fun. It's been pretty interesting, you know, and uh, I, I had a promotion. So I've been elevated from cashier to banker. So I've been working in the chip bank and all this stuff. I've been learning how to work a chip bank. I've been demanding that people refer to me as the chip monk when I'm back there because oh, I'm no. still funny. I'm still funny, Liam. No. I'm still funny. So whatever. And um, yeah, I've just it's funny because you're like, oh, you're just counting to 10. It's like, yeah, this is true. But that said, there's a lot of things that go into the running of a casino and a lot of things that go into the financial aspect of it that uh, not too many people know. You can watch as many movies as you want. You're not going to understand all this stuff, though. You know what I'm saying? That's what I've learned. And um, that said, it's been very, it's been very oddly fulfilling in a way that um, just getting a new job in 20 years will will teach you, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like right. a career switch at that. So, you know, um, so I'm going to put that in the on track on the on track. Other than the hours, everything about the gig has been on track. So so that's been dope. Um, shout out to all the new coworkers and friends that I've been making working there and old friends that brought me in. And, um, you know. I don't know if any of you guys are listening and it's okay if you're not, or even if you tell me that you are listening when you're not, which is also fine. Um, cause I talk about us on, on at the work, you know, cause what am I going to do? Like not talk about us. We're awesome. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, an interesting time. So on track, new gig, feeling it, having a time despite the hours. And, um, I keep on thinking about Conan O'Brien, man. I keep on thinking about how he was like, you know, just work hard and have fun. And everything good things will happen. And, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong because he's going to O'Brien. I don't know. But my plan for now, for the immediate moment, is just to work hard, make sure I do my best to be, to be, you know, accurate and, you know, doing the thing correctly. And just try not to take myself too seriously and have a little bit of fun while we're there. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that. So, on track. That. I'm, How about I'm, you, glad, I'm glad that it's... I'm glad that it's feeling like something for you. Cause I think when you first started, your worry was that it, it was just nothing that like, you're just taking up space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, the fact no. that there's actually things for you to learn and to like get better at and all that kind of stuff that is, I think there, even if it lacks some of the feeling of fulfillment that your last job did. But I think that mm. feeling of fulfillment that you got from your last job also allowed you to put up with a lot of bullshit that was maybe not good for you to be putting up with. Yeah. It, if anything, every day that I work in, in this environment, that is a more monetarily lucrative than working in healthcare turns out. Sure. Um, it's, it's an indictment of a system of the system of mental health because the prevalent concept is that this is what we got for you and this is all you're going to get. 
no matter how hard you work, you're just working for an industry that will never pay you back, that will never give you appropriate compensation for the things that you've done. Whereas, you know, there's a real possibility for a life outside of that where, you know, people are valued for what it is that they contribute. And I feel like, oddly enough, I'm finding this truth in the middle of the night at a casino in South Philadelphia. So I don't know. There's a lot of shifting definitions that are happening right now for me. And I don't know if that's good or if it's bad, but I definitely feel like I'm growing, which to me, you can't really fault that. You know what I mean? That's always going to be a good thing if spiritually you're you're taking more shit in and figuring more shit out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I think that makes sense. But, and who knows? Maybe we'll get back to helping people later. But for now, this is this is appropriate for me. And I'm I'm feeling it. So well, how know, about you, Liam? What have you done recently that is on track and or whack? We'll just go like go for go kind. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess. I mean, I <laughs> guess. Yeah. Once, <laughs> um, okay. Well, where to start? Um, let's start with this. So uh, if people have not been paying attention, they might not have noticed that we've been doing uh, a chunk of coverage for Fantasia Fest. Uh, so uh, Nick Spacek, who's sort of our star writer because he writes the most, and Brian Christopher, who is great. We love him. Uh, he writes for other sites, though, so he's a bit of a cheater, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nick writes for a million other sites, too. But uh, <laughs> they, they both are been doing some coverage, and I was like – Sort of like, oh, yeah, guys, I'll do it, too, just so I could feel included and watch the movies. But I didn't really think I'd get anything done. And lo and behold, I'm like three reviews in. Nice. Hoping to get up to five pretty quick here, uh, which is sort of what they want. They, they want a minimum of five from each of the people. Mm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. but. Uh, but you've been crushing it, dude. I've been reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stoked. Uh, I'm stoked for you. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about it. So uh, I know not everybody's into reading reviews, so I'll do a quick run through of some of the stuff that I've I've seen, um, just to give you guys a, a, a feeling of where I'm at. So uh, reviewed a movie called uh, Baby Don't Cry. It is um, Seattle, I think, is where it's set. Uh, it's written the the star of the movie is a woman. I think her name is Zeta Zeta Bay, and uh, she's a, a dual citizenship America and China, and she sort of traveled back and forth. Uh, and she wrote this movie and stars in it. Someone else directed it, but it's very much like her concept, you know, with this other person sort of directing her as the star, and it's very much like a. Uh, like a like a troubled teen coming of age movie, but very much within the immigrant sort of experience, you know. So, uh, so the her character Baby uh, is an artistic seventeen year old. Uh, her parents, uh, like probably not, you know, a small amount of immigrant families, had sort of crumbled under the pressure of America. You know, so mm. they moved to the U.S. and had all kinds of uh, issues, partly based out of him working all the time, partly just her mom starting to, I don't know, maybe change in how she kind of evaluated the world and stuff like that. And they they get I don't know if they get divorced or if he just leaves. But now it's just 
baby and her mom and her mom's connection to reality is tenuous and that tenuous connection to reality uh, often re- results in violent, angry outbursts at baby. So oh, no. she's a artist and a videographer, uh, and she uses that sort of creativity to escape the world that she's in. Uh, she also goes to school with mostly white people. So, of course, you know, there's a sort of a semi constant stream of racism and judgment at her, both for being a weirdo and for being uh, Chinese. And then one day she meets uh, a gentleman named Fox, who I think is meant to be punk, but he's really just a like a street kid drug drug dealer, you know, who's kind of a mm. delinquent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I guess he's those in my day. I guess okay. he's I guess he's kind of punk rock, but it's like you know, I feel I feel like in 2021 you can't say a character's punk rock if you could picture them lim- listening to Limp Bizkit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, punk has become a very specified thing. If what you mean is that they're just a general degenerate they just say that you know um <laughs> but you know he's he is that classic character of like he's charming in his own way and he's very loyal but he also has emotional damage and he acts out and he your typical you know, disenfranchised youth yeah but he also has trouble with love so as she gets more and more attached to him he is very into it but then at one point like turns on her and unsurprising both him and his sister when they want to sort of scare her off resort to racism you know they just they say all kinds of horrible racist shit to her uh and uh, and eventually you know maybe he works it out a little bit and they reconnect and all this stuff i don't want to ruin it but but the point here is that um there's two things to say. The first thing is that this is a film about, I don't want to say broken because broken it becomes like a very Christian term that sort of mm. justifies a weird view of the world. Let's say troubled or flawed characters like these, like baby is really creative, but she's also acting out. She wants to hurt her mom. She wants to sort of destroy the world. And she's kind of attracted to Fox because he is so dangerous and and, and kind of violent, honestly, like she likes that about mm. him, you know, and that's not just in how he treats people who uh, bully her. One one time he sees a girl bullying her and he kidnaps that girl and pretends like he's going to shoot her if she doesn't Jesus. apologize to baby. And at first baby's horrified and then she gets into it and then she punches this girl in the face. And then the big reveal is that the gun had blanks in it or something. And that's supposed to make it OK. Uh, but uh, but um you know, she's attracted to that. And that even comes across in the film in their lovemaking. There's a couple of very intense sex scenes in which there's a little bit of violence implied in it. And that for her is part of the attraction that she likes how dangerous he is. Well, of course, he's so dangerous because he's not a happy person. You know what I mean? Like that, that violence isn't a side that he is an adjusted person. So he acts out, not everything he does makes sense. You know, um, so so in a certain sense i love that and if people read my review i i kind of got eloquent about it because when you see movies about the immigrant experience oftentimes those immigrants are the most whitewashed perfect americans you can think of and Mm. that's why we that's why we love them because they're normal and Mm. to finally see an immigrant experience which is like no, sometimes people are crazy and they act out. And the fact that mm. you treat them like shit makes them hate the world. 
it's nice to see that in a movie and it's nice to see a movie True. that shows like degenerate fucking miscreant kids and doesn't judge mm. them. Like watching this movie, I was like, Oh, I know these people like they, they feel mm. familiar. They're creative and they're fun and they're dangerous, you know? Mm. And that's yeah. the reality, right? Uh, it's not mm. everyone's reality, but I think for some of us, like they're the sort of kids that we just don't fucking see in movies that much. What we see yeah. in movies are really lovable kids or kids who are, quote unquote villains, which any movie where a kid is an unadulterated villain is a bad movie because no kid is an mm. unadulterated villain. That's just not the reality. Um, so seeing a movie with these flawed characters is great. Mm. However, How does it compare to like the immigrant experience in a movie like Minari? Oh man, it is much more grimy than Minari because, but this, she's older, she's older and her mom has more problems. You know what I mean? Like mm. yeah, Minari yeah, yeah, yeah. still has a bit of endearing, there's problems there, but you know, they're trying but to get their familial, stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. A communal, like her, her effort, her mom is, even though you see how she got there, she's a bit of a monster. I mean, the movie does an interpretive thing, which is like in the current space, her mom mm. always has pig ears. Because that's how baby sees her as a giant mean pig. So like she mm. literally has fake pig ears on the whole time. But when she remembers her past, her mom is normal. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, all that to say, let me let me back up a little bit here. I said all that, but there is a flaw to the movie, which is that as much as I very much think there's a very honest and realistic portrayal of the character Fox. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't find him sympathetic at all. I felt him relatable yeah. and he made me nostalgic for some of the monsters I knew who at times would be charming and fun and other times were terrible humans that I didn't want to be around. Like that mm. part like rang very true. I know those angry white kids who mm. like could be very loyal but also could be terrible. Mm. But watching it was just painful for me. And I and I uh. again, I don't want to say that I'm better at making a movie than anyone else. So maybe mm. this is how the character had to be. But I suspect that he could have been just a little more charming and I would have identified more with why yeah. Baby was so attracted to him. Because right. in the film, I found that part confusing as to why mm. they were so connected. I didn't quite get their relationship in a direct way. Uh, again, that might be my flaw as a film viewer like maybe i just mm. don't get the character and that's okay mm. but i just think for me i was like i don't like this fox this is just not my vibe uh that didn't make the movie bad i overall i think it's great and i would definitely recommend it to people but i just felt for me i wish there was more to fox again mm. not that he isn't flawed and the movie isn't about him being a good guy but i just don't quite get her fascination with him the way mm. that it is portrayed in the film. So whatever. Fair enough. Uh, there was also a movie called Glass House, a very fascinating film from South Africa that it's set in a post-apocalyptic future, but the survivors that we are interacting with live almost in this weird sort of Victorian way, which makes the whole film feel very colonial. Even the the where they live, the glass house, it's like an old greenhouse is like a leftover from the colonial period in South Africa. So everything feels very 
retro and futuristic at the same time. That's pretty and, great. And it's very much like uh, the plot of like the beguiled. It's like a isolated community of women. And then this strange man comes in and then his presence sort of upsets the whole community. And it's post-apocalyptic. Basically the, the premise is that there's this plague and the plague is like a viral Alzheimer's. So like if you're exposed to the air, you slowly lose your memories until you just become like a wandering zombie. Not Whoa. not quite a zombie because you don't eat human flesh, but you just you're dangerous just, because you don't remember anything. You're just empty. Yeah. So these women live in this house that they've sealed to the air and then they have these makeshift masks. But the makeshift masks that they use are filters. They're like filtered masks are made out of bonnets. So it all looks very retro. It's like a plastic over the front of a bonnet with a tube coming out. So it's like the tube reminds you it must be contemporary because it's plastic, but mm. like the bonnet is so retro. It's it's all very interesting. It's a it, there's a lot of like art design and set design that's very intentional and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and just it, anachronistic play. Yeah, and it becomes very much about memory and the different responses to trauma. There's a bit of like an incest uh, subplot, but not really because, well, I don't want to spoil it. There's a suggestion of incest, but then it becomes clear later that that's not really what's going on. Uh, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So, cause it did have some surprises. It's not perfect. It's very much like a, a film fest movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the sort of thing that you see at a film fest to go, Oh, that was neat, but it's not like yeah. a, like a life changing film, but I very much enjoyed it. And I found it really beautiful in its own way. If also mm-hmm. troubling because the subtext is all about, is it better to forget or to remember? And maybe it's better to forget. I don't know. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's intense. Uh huh. Then I did a uh, I did a movie called Strawberry Mansion. Uh, it's very much got I don't know. Do you remember like uh, Be Kind Rewind or yeah. uh, Mood Indigo? Like these movies that use weird set design and 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 very practical effects to create a dreamlike atmosphere. It's like mm. that only it's in dreams. So it's like in in a world where the government taxes your dreams, right? And this guy oh. is an auditor and he audits people who haven't been paying their dream taxes. So he goes to this lady's house uh, who hasn't been paying her dream taxes and instead of uh, recording her dreams on the requisite thumb drive, that's been the rule for a good decade now. All of her dreams, Josh, are on VHS. Can you imagine? And so he Whoa, has anachronism at its finest. And so he has to take the time to watch all of these VHS tapes of her dreams. And it oh slowly goodness. becomes him getting almost seduced by the mystery of her dream life and getting pulled into this other world and then realizing there's this nefarious thing going on where not only are our dreams being taxed, that corporations are beaming advertisements into our dreams to control us and get us to buy certain products. Hmm. And very, just like Carpenter said, uh-huh. it's, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's, it's like, it is what the, what it is that is, I think very amazing it's the weirdest combination of whimsy and dread. The, from moment one, <laughs> the movie is whimsical. It's just weird and whimsical. It's just silly. Yeah, At one point, she's, talked, she's yeah. talking to a dude made of grass, and you just have to accept that in her dream, she's talking to a grass man. But 
it also has all this dread because it's in such a fucking dystopic future that everyone is acting like this is the norm and it's fucking normal that things are this way. It's mm. it's so good. It's like it's also a very uh, skillful combination of the personal and the political, you know, because it's a right. personal narrative of this of this auditor maybe learning the world is more interesting than he realized, but political in that the context of him learning this. So anyways, mm. read my review if you want more details on that. It's very, very good. And then I haven't reviewed this one yet, but uh, I don't remember if you know if you remember that movie called They Look Like People. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, we, yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah. Is it a Larry Fessenden movie or something? It's no, like a horror movie. It no. is a horror movie. It's a very low budget shot in Brooklyn. There's like four characters. It's basically like this guy is convinced that like, uh, the world is going to end and that people are possessed oh, he, by demons. Does he get like his boy in the basement yes, and all that? Yes, like, yes, yeah, yes, I do yes, remember. Yes. It's a good movie. I, like I thought movie. it was, I thought it was a little bit of a mess, but pretty good. And it got at some really, there was more thought to it than there was execution is how I would put it. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, yeah. well that guy has a new movie called when I consume you, uh, that kind of follows similar lines. You know, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, like a paranoia fest kind thing. Well, and it's hard because all the descriptions of the movie hide something that's in the very beginning of the movie. So I don't know if I should spoil it for people or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe not. Let's err on the side of caution and let's not. Because I did let, like they look like people. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see this next so, movie. Suffice it now. to say, a brother and a sister are trying to find someone who is uh, stalking them you know, who's a part of their past. And then it gets revealed later that there's a supernatural element to what's going on. So that's all I'll say. It gets way more complicated than that. It is a movie where when it first started, I thought this is all going to be a metaphor for mental illness and addiction. And I'm so bored. And then it makes Mm. a turn and I'm like, fuck, it is still that, but it's so much more interesting than I thought. And as I remember mm. it, that's how they look like people was. That they look like people yeah. started off kind of ham-fisted, and then it got more and more complicated. And then by the end, I was like, oh, that was pretty good, actually. You know, it, 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 mm. it worked out. This is like that. Same budget level, same like very indie filmmaking, but a whole mm. different set of themes. Similar to the first movie, but also different. And he made a movie between those called the siren that I didn't see. So I don't know if that one's any good, but, uh, when I consume you for some people, even with the twist, it's going to be a little heavy handed on the, on the metaphor for, for mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me it wasn't. And, uh, for other people, it's going to be a little heavy handed in the fact that it's really fucking sad. Just like his other movie mm. was, it's real yeah. heavy burden, but uh, but it has enough other stuff going on and enough moments of like actual serious humor that I thought were really good. That like mm. it really worked. You're for still me. compelled for the rest of the movie. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. So I, I definitely recommend it. I'm gonna have to review it soon. I just uh, I only just finished it last night, so I haven't had a chance to. So that's everything I've watched nice. so far for Fantasia Fest. There's a lot more to say in the reviews about the movies, but those are my quick takes on them. How about you, Josh? What's another thing, Whacker on track? Um, well, I know that me and Sharky had posted the episode of us reviewing Annette, but uh, I got to say, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. I, I really, want to really see it, it so much. bad, and I haven't had time or, or the honestly, the interest in going to a theater to see it, but mm. I think I might need to because I really want to see it. It's like so genuinely good and spellbinding in such a way that like a well-constructed song can be 
And uh, I guess part of the part of the weird attraction to it for me is just the fact that it's this work of tenacity, right? Like this is a thing that the the Meal Brothers have worked on for two decades at this point. And um, Melani hated it. She was like, "This movie is not for me." And uh, I don't know. It's like me and Sharky loved it, but me and Sharky both love movies that don't love us back. As has sure, been yeah, pretty much the timber of the entire Cinepunks oeuvre in terms of movies that we love <laughs> versus movies that we don't. But um, it's just funny because, like, again, Melani really was not into it. And that, in as much as how much I love the movie, is just thoroughly confusing to me. So so there are parts I just go back on and I think about and I'm just like, how did she not like this part? But also I'm like, yeah, why do I love this part so much? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, um, yeah that makes sense. The movie, just like you said with the other movie, is definitely a deft collaboration between whimsy and stark reality right and it's a musical so there's also that other patina of like otherworldliness to it and um there are just so many things about it that i just find to be so interesting i think marion cotillard's amazing in it too like i haven't stopped thinking about her performance either because it's very easy to dismiss her as like just kind of like an ancillary plot to this descent that adam driver is going on but also it's it's she is the main focus of the movie you know right. what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, I just think it's a really interesting jigsaw of a movie and I haven't stopped thinking about it. Um, you can get my full review on it with Sharky on Showtime with Sharky and Josh on uh, the Sinpunks YouTube channel, which, you know, I think it's cool, man. We shot it on the roof. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> it's so I like, fun. I like that you both liked it too. I was wondering like, is this going to be up Sharky's alley or not? So Sharky is really like, and see another thing that's on track for me, that's been emerging as we move through is I really love talking to movies with Sharky because Sharky has perspectives on these things that are like both new because he's kind of new to the cinephile world as, as like, you know, you and me, Liam have been around for a minute. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've built up a vocabulary. Sharky is good to like learning more, but also brings with him so much breadth of intelligence in terms of like the actual using of the cameras and filmmaking that it's, it becomes a really interesting conversation to me just, because the parts that he knows, I have no concept of. Whereas the parts that he doesn't know, I, I have something to contribute to, I think. So the conversations that way have been very fluid and very fun. As you've probably seen if you watch Showtime with Sharky and Josh on the Sinfos YouTube channel. So, <laughs> so there you go. I'm going to put that on track as well because it's been on track. So, yeah, two things there. Just still thinking about like Annette. That. And I'm stoked on doing this show with Sharky who is my new friend and we're having a hell of a time. Super fun. I want to do, I'll do one more and then let's take a quick break. Um, okay. I've been getting into a show. I, this is sort of, this might become a regular feature since I do it enough of like, uh, you know, ki kids time with Liam, you know, oh, yeah. that I have mm -hmm. to watch, you know, I don't have to, but I end up watching so much stuff with Maeve that I eventually mm -hmm. have takes, you know? And so some of the things she's been watching lately are pure torture. If you are a parent and you can get your, son or daughter or non-binary child to avoid the Winx franchise, which is this weird <laughs> fairy franchise in which uh, someone feels that all of the female drawn characters should not only be deathly thin with uh, perky breasts, but you should draw them in such a way that you can see their nipples. Um, what? Yeah, it's a fucked series. Um, I don't like it. I feel like it's inevitably going to cause children anorexia or something. It's just terrible. And she's been into that lately. But what uh, I've gotten her into that she 
that I do like is a show from <clears throat> Cartoon Network called Craig of the Creek. I don't know if anyone has seen this show before. It's from people who worked on Steven Universe. This is like their next project. Oh, yeah. And, That's uh, our shit. Yeah. Uh, it's very good. To give you an idea, Josh, um, it is uh, three friends. Craig, titular Craig, is a, a African-American young kid whose dad is voiced by Terry Crews. Which is funny, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he has a friend who's a a fantasy obsessed uh, small girl who always talks about being Hungarian and the weird Hungarian food she eats at home, and uh, she's obsessed with like fantasy <laughs> books and stuff, and she carries around a sword. And then they have a friend named JP who wears a hockey jersey and is goofy and does all the goofy weird stuff, you know. Uh, and it's they all hang out in the local woods that they call you know they just it's the creek and there's a whole culture kid culture out there at the creek that they interact with and they go on adventures. To, they also have a bunch of guest stars. Uh, to give you an idea, Josh, the episode I saw today starred Deltron Thirty Thirty. Oh my as, god! I was just thinking about Del Holy as shit. a as a kid named Deltron Thirty Thirty with his trusty so with his trusty tape player on his chest called Automator. And so he claimed good. to be a kid from the future who's fighting for the future with music. And so they're trying to help him get tapes so that he has music to fight the bad people of the future. Man. It's very good. There's all these like older kids who are like, there's like goth girls and there's like nerds who play <laughs> D&D in the creek and there's like a, a store and there's Boy Scouts and skater kids and climber kids and uh, young girls who think climber that they're horses. Uh, young girls who think that they're horses and they pretend to be horses and there's like a, a 10 speed area. There's just this whole like cosmology of kid shit that's like awesome there are the kids who hang out in the in the sewers you know like towns that have those big wide not sewers like where shit is but those big wide like drainage pipes there's a whole crew of kids who hang out in the drainage pipes which by the way when i was a kid there was a whole bunch of kids who hung out in the drainage pipes that's a thing yeah yeah, man. Collinswood, man. Shit's wild down there. Shit's wild. I mean, you could fit into them, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the point is this. It's a fun show. It's funny. It works for her. I, granted, she doesn't like it as much as her shows yet. She likes it, but she's a little bit like, oh, this is the show that Dado likes, so she likes to mess with me. Uh, she's also been getting into Looney Tunes, which is kind of fun, except still for, good. Still good. Uh, except for you know, I, I don't know if you've still been watching the TikToks I send you, but I just sent you one that was further explaining the point that all of the language of cartoons is taken from minstrel shows and that all of the original mm-hmm. cartoons were based on minstrel shows and uh you know that's a bummer but like yeah. you know as we're watching the cartoons sometimes i go oh this one has some weird stuff in it let's skip to the next one <laughs> weird stuff eh yeah 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 they're all By like weird HBO i always Max mean racist whatever, right? yeah exactly the yeah, whole thing i will good. say if you're gonna if you're gonna watch them I just tend to prefer the stuff that starts in the 40s to the ones back in the mm. 30s. So if you jump to, they're organized by season, even though there obviously wasn't a season. I would start with mm. like season 10 and go from there because the first uh, nine seasons, there's like black and white stuff. There's like really old stuff, some of which is still funny, but some of which is a little whack, you know? Uh, mm. But starting at season 10 going forward, you get some real quality stuff. And I feel like they really developed the characters in the 50s in an interesting way. So anyways, uh, yeah. Looney Tunes, Craig of the Creek. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break, uh, and then we'll come back, and I have a, a whack and on-track question for you. 
Okay, after the break. long whacking on track we've done whacking on track for so long i definitely like the episodes where whacking on track goes on long in the beginning and then we have like these weird like okay and the movie's dope later <laughs> like now we're just like okay we're just gonna just go for the whacking on track for an episode so kind of into it kind of into it man i mean it's you know i i i don't like those episodes where that whacking on track goes on so long I like recording them, but I always end up being like, oh, I really wanted to talk more about this topic. But yeah, I've, I I, mean, here's the deal. I don't know that I could do these. You know, there's these podcasts that do like four hours, right? I don't know if I could do four hours. I, I Sometimes I think I can. But sometimes when we're doing a show and we're, we're on like the two hour mark, I'm like, mm. all right, I'm done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, all right. no, I hear you, man. But it's funny, though, because, like, I think that the episodes we're whacking on track tend to be real long is when we haven't spoken for, like, a couple. And mm-hmm, that's because, mm-hmm. like, we have this all built up, like, oh, man, I haven't talked to Liam in, like, a week or two. So let me give him all this shit that we done did. It's which true. Is, like, it's true. So that's how those episodes end up this way. Um, this episode was that way by design, and I like it. I'm having fun. Well, knowing that we didn't have a topic really for today, I put out to the internets if they had things for us to talk about. And friend of the show and fellow Cinepunk, uh, Jake Given, he wanted us to uh, talk a little bit about one Mr. Nicholas Cage. Now, look, mm. Nick Cage, uh, there's whole podcasts 
whose whole run is dedicated to the work of Nick Cage, right? I think you could yeah. do a whole thesis on Nick Cage, sort of the phenomena of him. But I think, you know, it's more interesting if for this, we just talk personally here a little bit. So, Josh, pretend instead of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, I'm doing Nick Cage is the fucking man. Talk to me okay. about your personal relationship with Nicolas Cage. Well, I got to say, the first Nick, I still haven't seen um, Adaptation. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen like some of the major Artie Touchstone Nick Cage movies. Sure. And sure. I, I suspect just like everybody else, my introduction to Nick Cage was with Valley Girl, was with like those weird eighties like um Yeah, what's the movie? vampire movie he's in? Once bitten? Is uh, that is yeah, that him? once bitten? Is that him? No, 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 uh, no, the, no. the one where he eats the cockroach. That was like my main like, oh, yeah, he had a cockroach for that shit. That's gross. But I was a kid, you know, and um, as I've gotten older and I've become more of a serious uh, movie person, serious is a, a loose term, but a more into it movie person. Um, Nick Cage as like there are a couple character, like a couple actors that longtime listeners of the show know I'm just a fan of and I'll just be there for when they're on the screen. And that's a thing. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is one. Um, I would also give it to um, Mads Mikkelsen if he's in something. I'm watching it. Um, and also Nick Cage, man. Love the goddamn Nick Cage. And um, I don't know what my history with it is per se, but I mean, there isn't a time in my cinematic foraging where there hasn't been a Nick Cage movie that I at least am intrigued by or at best am in love with case in point right now pig still an amazing fucking movie we saw a couple weeks ago at this point that movie is great and it's not great just because of like the concept it's great because of nicholas cage now there are other movies too just like you know wally's wonderland not the greatest movie of course it has some issues but nicholas cage being a silent actor in a horror movie that is not a silent horror movie compelling i'll give it compelling so that said, I am unabashedly a fan of Nick Cage. Hmm. That's my history with the man. What do you? Love. Okay, so there's a lot of people who try to make uh, sort of meta claims about Nick Cage that he's one of the best actors, or he's one of the worst actors, or he that his career spans, you know, uh, uh, amazing shit and terrible shit and and, and all that stuff, right? Mm. Uh, oh, the movie is Vampire's Kiss that he's in. Ah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. that. I think I think Once Bitten might be the Jim Carrey. The Jim vampire. Carrey movie. James Carrey. Sorry. Yes, Sorry. yes, 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 yes. Um, but you know what I mean. So talk to me about sort of the meta claims. Like, do you, do do you make any grand sweeping, uh, you know, evaluations of Nick Cage's career or persona as an actor? I mean, think about it. He is the only actor that has acted with both. David Lynch and CN Sonos. And that's at both ends of the career. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like David Lynch at the beginning uh, goes to the wasteland right now, the CN Sonos movie. That this dude is, I mean, what can you say about an actor's actor? You know what I mean? Like Johnny Depp owes him <laughs> because of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. That thing is legend. That's a legend, right? Like that's like the story that you want to hear about like people like doing good by other people. And like helping elevate other people despite what the and also the fact that Nicolas Cage is a Cop, uh, Coppola, 
and doesn't use that name. Right. That he took his name from Luke Cage, which, let's be honest, Luke Cage is amazing. Super awesome character. Comic book character. Loved back in the day and then loved the TV show, too. But I still love the Afro yellow shirt, blue pant power man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he took his name from that. That shit is awesome, man. Like, if there was any type of fandom that I was personally built for, I think it's Nick Cage fandom, honestly. Yeah. It's dope. I mean, where are you with this? Do you, I mean, dude, he, he, he was in face off. John Woo. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Like, this dude has done it all. And he's been in shitty movies, too. Like, really, really bad stinkers. I think. No uh, share. So this is the this is the deal. I think the shitty movies for some people have kind of outweighed the good movies, you know? Really? Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people only think of him as shitty movies now. That's why they love Nicolas Cage, because they think of him as a crazy dude who does shitty movies. And I and I think that is erasure of actually most of his career um where where i think even even his even his mid-career stuff which is where people start to be like well some of the bad movies he made in the 90s were not the kind of bad movies he's made recently they're the kind of bad movies you make because you think you have to become a respectable actor right Mm. he these were actually prestige movies that turned out to be shitty it's not the same as him doing a direct dvd supernatural action movie yeah 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 Yeah, those things he does like so i don't buy into there's a lot of meta theories about nick cage and what he's doing and where he's at the only one Mm. i really buy into is that he has tax problems because that's documented he had tax Mm. problems he had to sell his fucking dinosaur bone collection which was one of the biggest in the fucking world he had to sell (laughs) parts of his collection to pay his taxes so you can literally see where the quality of film he's in starts to go down I think that's for money. I really do think that's true. Mm. And I know we don't have any official confirmation of that, but it does, you know, we hear about his tax troubles in the news right at the time where I think the, the movie quality is going down. And I think some of the movies he did before then that people think of as bad movies, he was mm. experimenting, you know, after doing movies like Face Off and Con Air, mm. I think he thought maybe action was his future. Then he did Adaptation and and some of those more mm. serious films and was like, okay, well, maybe this more serious thing is my future. And then somewhere in the mid-2000s, he's doing direct-to-video shit. And I don't right. think that's like him giving up. I think that's him wanting a paycheck. And the reality mm. is you can get to a certain point as a giant actor where like – you cost so much money that you aren't getting work regularly. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to live off some of the millions that you've accrued because people aren't willing to pay your price tag at this point because they're not convinced they'll get the money back, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was willing then to lower his price tag and do a bunch of shitty movies just to get a regular paycheck because the tax man wanted the fucking money now. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> yeah. that's all real, right? And I yeah. think if you okay. look if you look at his movies cuz basically what happens is people see a man who did Raising Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then and then all and then like uh Astro Boy or fucking uh Seeking Justice or some of these, mm-hmm. you know, uh Stolen, The Frozen Primal. Ground, yeah. you know, yeah, Outcast. The fucking Left Behind movie. I, the 2014 Ugh. Left Behind movie is like, my man must really have needed some fucking money. Yeah. Because at that point, he'd already started to do some stuff that got some attention. Joe 
is a really critically well-regarded movie. The Croods made a bajillion dollars, and he did <laughs> he did that before Left Behind. So, like, let, let's yeah. just talk about. Let's even just jump to the 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 mid. 2010s we've got yeah. rage which is bad drive angry outcast Wasn't that one? Oh, drive angry is actually Ugh. fucking great it's actually is uh, it i'd put it in his top 20 movies no oh wow okay gotta revisit gotta revisit i will I, say I mean, I, okay i'm being dramatic my man's done a hundred some movies so i yeah. me saying top 20 is ridiculous but is it very fun it's very fun and that's Ghost the problem Rider, right like I, I think is bad like Ghost Rider was not good yeah, like okay, and you want to go back to the right. very let's let's Nothing. okay, let's go back here. Let's start. Let's do a let's do a thing like okay, so in the 2000s, you know, Lord of War, The Weatherman, Ant Bully, World Trade Center, Wicker Man. Uh, oh yeah, he was in that Wicker Man remake. Yeah, Fuck, that was awful. Ghost Rider's terrible. He's in Grindhouse, so that's fun. Grindhouse Next. is good. Wait, he, which one? Was he he, he oh, did was, okay was he with he was in the uh, Wolf Werewolf Women of the SS. Uh, oh, National Treasure, right, right, right. of course, makes money. Uh, yeah. 2008, Josh Agron worked on it. Former two, former guest of the show, Josh Agron. 2008's Bangkok Dangerous is just terrible. Knowing is terrible. G-Force is terrible. But then he does Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, uh, New Orleans. Fucking great. Like I, I, a magical artsy film. So really? imagine, imagine him going, Oh yeah. Man. Have you not seen bad Lieutenant Porter call? Was it by Abel Ferreira again? Oh is no. Oh no. Oh no. It is. That is who did the first bad Lieutenant, but this unlicensed sequel basically is done by, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Werner Herzog. No. I did not see that. Motherfucker, you need to get your shit together. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it's that. True. We'll do that. Yeah. You know what? This is, let's just do it. We need to do a Nicolas Cage thing. Retrospective episode. And I suggest we have Jacob given as our guest on that show. Yeah, we will. Given we will. This is his question. I'm still yeah. going to keep going with my thing, though. He went from Bad Lieutenant to Astro Boy, right? Like, okay. fuck. To Kick Ass. Holy shit. To yeah. The Sorcerer's Apprentice and then Season yeah. of the Witch, like a whole run of weird fantasy or comic book stuff, right? Mm. So then, you like I said, Drive Angry. Drive Angry is not great, but it's fun. And it's interesting because it's a movie in which uh, uh, the devil is like, just a just a just a, a warden of a prison. He's like a nice enough dude. He just doesn't mm. want you know. He's just like, come on, what are we doing here? Don't fuck with me. I'm not a bad guy. You know, I love that. Uh, <laughs> the devil. Seeking Justice, I didn't see, but it looks terrible. Trespass, I didn't see, it looks terrible. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, I saw, and it is terrible. Mm-hmm. Stolen, no thank you. Frozen Ground, I don't know. The Croods is actually great. It's actually one of those <laughs> kids' movies that's really good. Then he went from yeah. The Croods to Joe. Joe is awesome. If you haven't seen Joe, anyone listening, I, I highly recommend it. It's very good. I have not seen Joe. Haven't seen Rage or Outcast. Don't want to. Left Behind. No, thank you. Dying of the Light. No, thank you. The Runner. No, thank you. Pay the Ghost. No, thank you. The Trust. No, thank you. Dog Eat Dog. I hear is actually pretty good, but I'm not interested right now. Although if we were, if we did this as a regular series, I would I would cover it. You know what I mean? I would I would watch mm-hmm. it out of obligation, but I'm not interested to see it. But this is a whole series of like not great movies, right? Where it feels like, man, he's really mm-hmm. going down here. Uh, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, Get Fucked. 
uh, Army of One, no thank you. <laughs> Arsenal, I'm cool. Vengeance, a love story I actually hear is good, but I've never seen it. Inconceivable, come on, what are we doing here? But then <laughs> Mom and Dad is actually pretty good. Yeah, that's a pr- I mean, like, the payoff is a weird one in that movie because there's no there's no context given. It's just like, that's just what happened. Yeah. Which, you know, I've talked about it recently, which is why it's on my mind, but... I also enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Then we do the Humanity Bureau and Dark, which like, eh, whatever. I don't know. They don't look good to me, but what do I know? Then Mandy is, well, some people hate it, but it's great. It's certainly a step above some of the shit that we're talking about in the, in the, in the early part of the decade. Right. Yeah. I mean, but also that's a, you know, Pano's Cosmatos movie. So, you know, and then he goes from Mandy to looking glass and Two Eleven. No, thank you. Uh, between worlds, I don't know. I love him in Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I don't yeah, know about a score to settle. I hear it's good, but I haven't I haven't watched it. Colorado Space, know. great. Running with the good. Devil, I hear is good. I haven't watched it. Uh, Kill Chain, haven't watched it. Primal, haven't watched it. I Grand saw Isle, Primal, haven't and watched here's it. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Primal. Yeah, it's about our man Nick it's yeah. on a boat. Yeah, and there's like a a big ass white tiger on there that's like real angry wants to kill everybody and then um you know he's on there with a wildlife officer played by uh famke jensen uh the original gene gray and um the most confounding thing about this entire movie is famke jensen's face because she's had a lot of serious work done and she looks way out of place as this like perfectly placid ivory like yeah, yeah. Doll amongst like uh, aging Nick Cage and a bunch of like third worldy like you know people who would trap a white tiger in the jungle kind of thing, and uh, <laughs> it's a wild movie for sure. It's a CGI movie. It's yeah, not like yeah. they're fighting an actual tiger. That said, um, yeah. But it's just it, isn't this so? Isn't this so endemic though of like where Nick Cage is at right? So. Colorado Space 2019, which, I mean, it's problematic now because it turns out the director is a horrible human. A but, monster, yeah, But yeah, yeah. whatever. Like, the movie itself, it it's something that people cared about. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. But it's mm. it's at a certain level. Then we've got one, two, three, four, five movies, including this horrible jujitsu movie, that, like, nobody cares. That's not a thing people are into. Then we get the crude sequel, which is great. It's actually really good. It might be better than the first one. And and granted, that's just a franchise he's a part of. But it's like, oh, okay, now we're back on. Then in a row, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, Willy's Wonderland, and Pig. Three movies that, right. whether you love them or not, are like respectable genre movies that people are stoked on. And Pig is a goddamn masterpiece. And so, yeah, like, it's an LJ movie. It's so beautiful. I think what it boils down to for me is my man wants to keep working. But he's still like in a way you could compare him to Eric Roberts. But the issue is Eric Roberts is at a point where he's not getting the offers for quality material. So Nick Cage is similar to Eric Roberts in that he's taking a lot of offers. You know, he's not working as much as Eric Roberts is, but he's working a lot for a guy who is famous, you know. But have, even though he's have taking you seen Ghosts of the Wasteland yet? No, no, no. But even though he's taking a lot of <laughs> offers, right? 
some of the offers he's getting are for interesting things that actually allow yeah. him to act. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's true as a guy who runs an Eric Roberts or doesn't run, but is on an Eric Roberts podcast. I don't think that's true of Eric anymore. Eric isn't mm-hmm. getting the kind of offers oftentimes that allow him to do much. They're often mm-hmm. very limiting. That's not true of Nick Cage, but it is true that he's taking a lot of things. I think if you look at the early part of his career, he's going crazy with it. He's he's trying a lot of different things. He's trying a lot of different roles. He's working on his style of acting. He's trying to do different things as an actor. Then he hits a groove, and it's not his fault that some of the movies that are in his like, hey, I'm a famous guy yeah. that, that people care. Some of those movies are bad. But that's not the mm-hmm. same as him taking any direct-to-video movie he can get, you know. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's my take yeah. on Nicolas Cage. We're gonna come back to this topic. I think we will do. A I trip. really think you should watch Ghosts of the uh, Prisoners of the Wasteland just because. Uh, I mean, it's directed by Cyan Sonos. No, yeah, yeah I can't wait to Suicide see it, Circle. but it's not out yet, is it? Uh, it's isn't it in one of the festivals now? It's something. Mm. I don't know. I saw it's, it at uh, It's playing Sundance. Fantasia, but it wasn't available to me to watch. So I saw it at Sundance, and uh, I was like, I was hyped on it. Not going to lie to you. Um, oh, I really want to see I'm it. Not I gonna, mean- I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything. But I will tell you, in this movie, there's a sequence wherein Nicolas Cage has to yell, they shot off my testicle. And yeah, that's a thing. Here's, no spoilers. Just here's, here's the thing about about this movie is that uh, one of the quotes on the trailer is from Nicolas Cage saying, this is the craziest movie I've ever done. Yeah. That's saying a lot y'all. So knowing yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, his yeah. take on this movie, I need to see it. I, it's a, Having it's a seen watch. it, I 100% agree. I've not seen anything like it before or since. And Are you a big Cian Sonos fan? Are you a big fan of that director? I feel like you, I mean, I've only seen suicide circle. You know, and uh, I thought that was fine when I saw it. I haven't revisited it since the first one, first time I saw it. But um, that said, when this came out, I was just hyped that he was working on an Asian movie in right. Asia, right. <laughs> which is like it's a Western. It's oh, man, there's just so much. There's so much to it. But uh, maybe that's what should, we should do for our episode with Jake, that we should do this and that. Or we, we should do uh, Drive Angry and, and this. Give Nick Nick Cave retrospective. Well, I think if we're going to have Jake on, let's just go ahead and commit to a triple feature. Partly oh. because, partly because Nicholas Cage, his career is huge. So like yeah. we do three no. of his movies, we've barely scraped the surface. Like You're he right. really probably deserves his own podcast, but I feel like there probably are podcasts like that. They're just not as mm-hmm. good as one that we would do. Sorry to be right. that guy, but it just is true. Just to say, yeah, you're uh, not wrong. Let me you're just go wrong. ahead and say to you and to anyone listening, if you haven't seen a lot of C and Sono movies, it's worth your time. Uh, you, the yeah. movie you were thinking of is Suicide Club. Suicide uh, Club, sorry. But yeah, Suicide yeah. Club is like actually far into his career. He did a lot of shit before Suicide Club came out. I think that's maybe his sixth feature-length oh, wow. movie. Uh, and then post-Suicide Club, there's a bunch of movies that didn't quite make it over here. Some did, like Strange Circus or uh, mm-hmm. I think Hazard. But the next movie that made it over here that people talk about is Love Exposure, uh, which I highly recommend. It's a t- true mindfuck. Then Cold Fish is a movie a lot of people talk about. I actually kind of hate, and I think that's part of what I like about him as a director. He's one of those directors who really – takes chances and sometimes I love the movies he does and sometimes I don't and I think that that's interesting to me um granted Mm -hmm. I haven't seen he does a lot of movies but to go from Coldfish a movie that like 
it disliked me so much that I wasn't sure if I loved it. You know, we always say like Mm -hmm. the movies we we love don't love us back. This movie hated me so much that I thought, well, maybe fuck you. I don't know. And then, (laughs) and then he goes, so it's cold fish. Then there's one, two, three, four, five, six films. And then in 2013, so that's only three years later, six films in the three years between 2010 and 2013. And then he does, why don't you play in hell? Which is one of the most joyful, awesome films I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, it's Why Don't You Play in Hell is great. That's it's the Yakuza movie, amazing. right? Yeah. Then, yeah, just yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. years after Why Don't You Play in Hell, he does one of my least favorite movies ever, Tokyo Tribe, a rap oh, the, opera that makes musical. me want to kill yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, hate yeah, that movie. Yeah. A lot of people love it, but I just, I, I, I don't hate it, hate it, but I dislike it enough that I talk shit because people love it so much that I want to bum them out. <laughs> um, then in 2016, we've got anti-porno, which I hear is really great. I haven't watched it yet. He's got a TV show that is now available on a Amazon TV Prime show. called Jesus. Tokyo Vampire Hotel. He did 10 episodes of it in 2017. Huh. I, I, he developed it. He only directly directed nine of the 16 or no, 10 episodes. So he directed all but one episode, but he also developed, it was like his idea. Then there's a movie sequel to the show. So the show has one season at 10 episodes. Then there's a movie sequel also called Tokyo Vampire Hotel. Uh, then even more movies, some of which I don't even know anything about. And now this new one, Prisoners of the Ghostland. So yeah. if you he had like a stroke during this movie or whatever, yeah, that's why yeah, they I had heard to that. do it in Japan. Yeah. So... If you're someone who is who who sees that movie because of Nick Cage and you find it interesting, check out his other movies. It's like I said, he's hit or miss for me. But even when he misses, like Cold Fish is a fascinating movie. I just when it was over, I kind of thought, I don't know if I love that or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have another whacker on track for us uh, um, to, to talk about? Just general stuff. Whackness. um, for all of you listeners that are actual homeowners, I'm not sure if you have had the same experience that Melania and I have had, but we've held in this house now for 10 years and suddenly everything's going wrong. Like a light fell out the ceiling. Yeah. All the shit is breaking. And, uh, you know, I've never owned a home before. This is the first time. But it's just like, oh, is this what landlords had to deal with when we were renting for years? And uh, yeah, it's a fucking bummer. So whack, whackness, having to fix shit in my house. <laughs> I hear that. I'm just not good at or equipped at. Like, it's funny because Anthony is always just like, yo, man, I've done home repairs forever. All I do is YouTube. And, I, you know, I've always contended that my brother's better at life than I am just because, you know, he's gotten to, to the milestones quicker than I did. You know what I'm saying? But that said, I think he might be smarter than me in terms of home repair, too. Just saying, because I was watching a video on how to fix some of this stuff. And let me tell you. There was no way I was going to be able to do that stuff on my own. Just saying. I just saying. I think I don't think that's true. I think you just got to try it and see what happens. Because I've watched a fair share of videos, and some things I agree I couldn't do. Other things I thought I couldn't do, and then I did them. So I think you just uh, got to. I uh, think you got to give it a try. And if it doesn't I guess work, part of it is that I'm just afraid I'm going to break something like irreparable and then fuck my house up. And be like, oh, dude, the house is the house is already fucked. Just give it a try. I you know don't fuck with electronics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't yeah, fuck yeah, with yeah. the electric in your house. Otherwise, give things a try because you're probably not going to irreparably mess it up unless you like do something stupid and just break something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah, think yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I think it's always worth giving it a try. Um, the electric stuff, like they said, if you can't fix it with a hammer, you have an electrical problem. And let me tell you, that's what's been happening lately. And this hammer don't work, son. It's just not working. I don't know how to fix it. 
So, you know, that's been problematic. Well, we, we've been going for a little bit here, but let's wrap up with a discussion. I, I, I don't know if this would fall on whack or on track, but uh, recently there was a, a, an interview with Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve. I don't know how to say his name. Do you know how to say his name? Yeah, I don't. The Villeneuve, Villeneuve? The, the dude who did Villeneuve? the new uh, Dune. The, yeah. Dune. the Dune guy. He gave an interview, and this is a quote, and I wanted to read it to you, and then we can talk about whether it's whack or on track. Hmm. First of all, the enemy of cinema is the pandemic. That's the thing. We understand that the cinema industry is under tremendous pressure right now. That I get. The way the HBO Max decision happened, I'm still not happy. Frankly, to watch Dune on a television, the best way I can compare it is to drive a speedboat in your bathtub. For me, it's ridiculous. It's a movie that has to be, that has been made as a tribute to the big screen experience. So this this quote exploded Twitter. It fucking blew mm. up, especially film Twitter. And there are people who are like, "Yes, he's the man. I get it. He's the everything he said is right." There are the people who are like, "Fuck you. It's a pandemic. I'll do what I want." Uh, and then other people who had more nuanced takes, uh, which we'll get into in a sec. One of which I think you're going to identify with very well. But first, I just wanted to get your take on that. I read that quote to you. What does that make you think, feel? How, how, how do you respond to Mr. Uh, Villeneuve? I should have figured out how to say his name. I'm sorry. I don't like it when people make fun of people's names. It's not that I'm making fun of it. I just literally don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh, ask Mr. Apichapong. We're asked the tycoon. Oh, I love that you actually did it. You're the man. <laughs> but anyway, so as far as this quote goes, I don't know, man. It kind of just drips a privilege to me. Like the way you talk about that, like if you can say those kinds of things, that means that you don't really have any base like experience with the pandemic and what it's doing to people on the streets. You know what I mean? If you're like, well, people need to see this in the theater. It's like I get it, but also... Like, yo, man, you can't unless you're part of that weird, like insular community of people that can just afford to have your own theater for yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't do it. It's not a thing. So you either adapt and survive or you, you don't adapt and you die. That has been the concept during this entire year and a half. Yeah. Of all industries. Well, so, let me let me start though. Like, I think some people might connect this to Scarlett Johansson. So, I and mm. then that wasn't what I was thinking of. I I think the conversation we're about to have is more about theatrical experience and its importance, all that stuff. That's an important conversation to have, and that's the one I want to have. It just occurred to me though, people might compare this to the Scarlett Johansson thing. So let me put this out there. If what he is actually thinking instead of what he said is I'm going to lose a bunch of money because the way mm -hmm. the deal works is I only make money on the theatrical. That's a different concern. And if that's his yeah, concern, that's a different conversation. 100% yeah. I have his back. People who attack Scarlett Johansson because she's suing Disney because it released, they don't get it. It's not that she's saying my movie should be seen in a theater because I'm an artist. What she's saying is, I was guaranteed a certain amount of money because of the opening of the film, and then you didn't do that, and then you didn't renegotiate yeah. my money. So that means I'm getting less money for my work, so you need to figure out a way to pay me more money. And people who are like, well, she's just being greedy. Oh, unlike Disney? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like yeah, for, yeah. For, for fucking Disney or any one of these giant conglomerate companies to play the pauper and be like, well, mm -hmm. we're losing money too. Get fucked. You yeah. bought a product that you're selling from an artist. And that artist, again, I don't 
now if the argument is that she should get the exact same amount of money she would have gotten from theatrical, no. But the, the idea is that they didn't try to renegotiate with her when they said yeah. they would. If that's his concern, which it doesn't seem like it is, but I just want to say it up front. If that's his concern, I have his back. I think that's 100% mm. fair. He should get more money if he's going to get less money because there's no theatrical. However, I'm with you, man. This feels classist to me. Isn't there an inherent mm. classist thing going on here? Because there are plenty of people who can't get to a fucking theater. And not just because they can't afford it, which is a huge reason, but maybe because of their job schedule, they just can't mm -hmm. get off on a fucking night and go to the movies, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they just can't. I mean – it's a pandemic still. There's a Delta variant tearing through the world. Like, fuck, you're right. gonna just go to the movies? Like right. that of course that doesn't sound reasonable. Well, and I think his I think his feeling is that they should just hold it until the pandemic is over. And so his Which feeling is I would is, also be fine with. I mean, like, I right. love Doom. They're not you gonna know. do Listen they're not to gonna show, do no, that though. I love Doom. Here's yeah, the thing, they're not gonna, they're do, not gonna do it because they're losing money. Think, think about this. If you put out a record and then you can't sell the record right away because of whatever reasons and you just hold the product, you're losing mm -hmm. money every day because you put money into making the thing and now you want to get that money back because the reality is you don't actually have the cash on hand, right? Mm -hmm. You put money in that isn't really your money and then you need it back in order to stay solvent, to which is how all the these people. places yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now so, it's a bummer, man. It's an industry that's a, it's an industry wide yeah. bummer for sure. Yeah. But yeah. to go on like a public platform it's and just fucked. be like, well, yeah. you know, you should see it in the movie. Like dogs, so like you should be as accepting of the fact that people just want to see it. I, th and I think however many you can get it in eyeballs. That's how it should be done. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, I I think I want to. There's a nuanced thing. So there are some people who are attacking this dude who's saying what you're saying, but then also saying like everyone should just watch everything at home anyway. And I don't think we're on board with that per se, because I do think there's something good about the theatrical experience, but I wanted to bring something up that our friend Phil Nobile of Fangoria said, uh, mm -hmm. love you, Phil, uh, which was, um, he, he said, uh, the auteurs watching their own movie in a New Jersey theater, uh, challenge, which is basically <laughs> the assumption here is that the exhibition experience is good. And in reality, it's often terrible. Theaters mm -hmm. are bad. And this is a thing that I find very interesting because um, I think at a sort of a base level, what sets maybe us apart from some other film fans is that I think me and you and probably other people attached to Cinepunks believe there is something maybe not sacred, but something special about the theatrical experience in theory. That like going to a theater with a crowd of people who love film and, and know how to act is magical. That there's something special happening there. Do you think that's fair to say? Yes, I definitely think that's very fair to say. If anything, that's the reason why we're even talking right now. Right. But the reality is most people aren't having that experience. They're going no. to a place where the projection sucks, where the crowd mm -hmm. doesn't give a fuck about anyone else's experience, yeah, where the there's people talking and, and texting. Children are running up and down while Quiet Place 2 is playing on the screen. Like that thing is a reality too. It's and this weird thing where, like, I, I I agree with you. There's this like classist assumption with with uh, 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 Villeneuve. I think it's how you pronounce it. Actually, that I listened to mm -hmm. it on, on my on my phone. Uh, there's this class assumption with what Villeneuve is saying uh, as far as access, and also a, a disregard of people's fear about going to the theaters too. But even more so, there's a simple disconnect from the reality that like theaters are bad and no one cares like the the mm. exhibition 
you know, we've talked about this before. Film theory, right, covers the creation of film and it covers the reception of film. And yet there is no theoretical work around the exhibition of film. No one gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. seem to be important to anyone. Or else they would go to some of these local theaters and see like, oh, my movie looks like shit because the the they they've turned As down the ratio is different. Yeah, and like, you know, the lumens aren't set. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Even more, what what this makes me think of, and you know, I'm always getting too deep on these things, but this is how I feel. <laughs> In this way, this thing, this theatrical experience idea, it connects with two other things that I have some connection to. I care about those things being hardcore and church Mm. in that it's almost impossible to find the thing, not impossible, but rare to find the thing that we mean when we say those things. So for example, Mm. let's start with hardcore because I think it's the best example Mm. to be of an age where you can fully enjoy it and be at a show that has the crowd there that you want to be there, where the band is playing really well and everything's going off and no one's getting hurt, but everything's a little mm. bit scary and we're all having fun and whatever. That is actually fucking rare that like half yeah. the shows I've been to have been not great shows where there were mm. equipment issues or there was a fight or like the venue sucked or it was too hot or I just wasn't fully in the moment. I was too old or I was too young or I was ignorant. <laughs> the times where I've seen amazing bands, but I didn't know the band. And so I didn't enjoy the experience as much as I could have if I was familiar with the band's music, stuff like that, right? Like mm. the perfect show is rare. Would you think, mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. that's yeah, fair yeah, to yeah, say, right? That's what makes it perfect though. Cause if every show is perfect, no shows are perfect. Yeah, that so might be course, true. That might be true. There are moments. There are moments that we can think of in our history that you you could just be like, "Yo, that was like the perfect night," right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those things you can't plan for. Just like planning a perfect screening, you can't plan for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even when Danzig screened Veronica, that was a perfect night, despite the movie being terrible and the, I hear the, you. It's, yeah, its exhibition being awful. You know what I'm saying? It was still a perfect night when the movie started at the credits at the end of the movie and then the whole theater went black (laughs) and then everyone started singing Mother, which was hilarious. Fucking, you can't tell me that's not a perfect moment. Yeah, that's that's not a thing. Especially sitting there next to Melani, who categorically had no interest in being there. None. Not any one moment that she say to herself, thank God we're here. And again, you can't plan that. It's not a thing. But that said, if every screening were like that, then there would be no such thing as a perfect screening. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I, and so like, and but similarly, the, so the way I connected to, to church is that sometimes we're talking about something that like with hardcore, I think it's more like it's rare. It happens. We have transcendent mm-hmm. moments, but like sometimes we're talking about it like we're idealizing it and, and the reality doesn't live up to that. Not just in the show mm-hmm. experience, but maybe in like the politics of it all or the sociality of it all. Yeah. I, I think of church in that like, um, on paper, it seems so good, but it's so rare to have that experience. Like mm-hmm. having a community of people who believe in forgiveness and want to be supportive of each other and have mutual aid and all that stuff. That's all. A lot of the things that like leftists aspire to are things that mm-hmm. like churches are supposed to do naturally. And then they fucking don't. They almost never mm-hmm. do. And that's my frustration with the theatrical experience. I have had transcendent theatrical experiences where the projection was good and the theater was comfortable and I was with a bunch of people who loved what was happening and 
you know, not that there can't still be negatives in a great experience, but in every way I could manage to have, it was a magical moment, but like, that's very rare. And, and I just wish more of these uptight directors, right. Would know mm-hmm. that that's not what most people are experiencing, right. That, that mm-hmm. most people's experience of their movies, the best case scenario is at home on your big TV. That yeah. you that, that for some people, I mean, I still think you should have some friends over if you can, but like mm-hmm. sometimes your home television experience is the best shit you're gonna get because a lot of theaters are trash. And yeah. and and it's this weird thing where like what I see a lot on Twitter from people talking about theatrical experiences, theaters suck, so that's why I don't care and uh, and I don't go to theaters anymore, or the theaters are perfect. We should always go to the theater. If you watch movies at home, you're not a real film fan. Neither of these things are true, right? Mm-hmm. The theater can be great, but most of them are not great. So if mm-hmm. people choose to watch them at home, you can't make them feel bad about themselves. There might yeah. be all kinds of reasons for them to do that, including being a film fan. Sometimes going to the theater as a film fan is fucking torture. On the other hand, if you can get to a good theater that's actually run well and you're with people who care about the movies, that is a good – I'm getting a little tired of people who I feel like have reasonable concerns about how shitty most theaters are then saying the theatrical experience is over. It doesn't matter. Let's mm. not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah. Theaters can be great, and I really do think movies are at their best in a theater. It's just, mm. God damn, I wish we could have better theaters available to most people. And and it's honestly, it's not like that becomes, unfortunately, a class thing as well. You're more mm. likely if you live in a city with a, with a thriving art culture to have better access to theaters. Whereas mm. if you're in a small town or the suburbs, your theaters probably suck because nobody, nobody knows how they're supposed to be anymore. There, mm. There's no local person to go. I'm going to go complain because the matting is off or the aspect ratio is off or clearly they need to change the bulb in their fucking projector because people don't Mm. know. They just think like, oh, this is what the movies is. It's just loud and blurry and it's it's ugly as shit. (laughs) And that's the concept that prevails. And we all talk on our phones and and laugh at inappropriate moments. I just can't. I can't. There's parts of that that I just can't do. I know. But also, I mean, there is magic to be held still. For sure. I believe in that. Well, I, I think that's as good a note on any to, to end. I will say, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thank you, Jacob, for giving us something to talk about. If you listen to the show regularly and you're like, hey, I, I have a quick thing for them to talk about, hit us up. If you have something that's a full episode, hit us up for that, too. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll try to work it in. I know uh, we have an upcoming uh, Wakaliwood episode that was yeah. inspired by uh, by a listener who wanted us to do more African films. Now, I, I think they meant something more artsy than Wakaliwood, but we're going to start with Wakaliwood and we'll go from there. You know, we'll go from there mm-hmm. to something a little more uh, art house. But right now, you know, I got I got this <laughs> double. where we're at. Yeah, Who Killed Captain <laughs> Alex and Bad Black double feature, and I want to watch yeah. it. And so we're going to mm-hmm. do that. So uh, We also are, are planning to do an episode on Cynthia Rothrock movies again with special guest Adriana Gober, who is Yep, uh, yep, expert yep. on the topic. Yep. And, um, you know, that's fine. I don't know if she's an expert or not. Maybe she is. I don't know. I feel well, bad. I don't, don't want to. She definitely knows more about Cynthia Rothrock movies than yes, either of us. That is true. So, well, I, I, I yeah. don't I don't want to make her uncomfortable by saying she's an expert if she's not. But I will say she definitely knows more than us, which is 
all she needs to know. Yeah, and really not that difficult. She to might do. in fact be an expert. I just haven't talked to her about it yet. I just know that she definitely knows more than me. So that is for me. <laughs> Come on the show and help us talk about this because we don't know that much. So uh-huh. anyways, thank you for listening, y'all. Yeah, and always rate, review, and subscribe as that's the currency that us podcasters also live on. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Smoke bomb. Smoke bizarre. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.